I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Good evening, everyone. This is Toby Leary. I'm your host of Rapid Fire, co-owner of Cape Gunworks. And you can join us every week here on WXDK or WCRN AM 830 and uh, WXDK 95.1 every Saturday at 7. And uh, we'd love to have you. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire to be a part of the discussion. As you'll notice throughout the show, I'll answer a lot of questions that come in through the live chat when we're recording the show. And so we want, you, we want to hear your voice as well. So make sure you get signed up to be alerted when we go live. So uh, the questions are firing in fast and furious already. And, you know, the gun world is still a hot topic these days uh, with everything going on. The Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court deciding to hear a case for the first time in well over a decade um, after McDonald and Heller. And uh, as well as, you know, potential laws being changed, executive orders coming down the pipeline, um, and the new appointee of the ATF, David Chipman. And so there's a lot going on. And, you know, guns are one of those things that people, you know, rely on for self-defense, for a way of life, for putting food on the table, um, for collecting and sporting purposes, not to mention competition, and because we can here in good old United States of America. And I am greatly encouraged at the lawsuit that the Supreme Court has decided to hear, uh, which is the New York State uh, lawsuit, if you will, where they sued the state to get their license or permit to carry, and the state denied them, saying, you didn't give us a good enough reason why you need a license to carry a firearm. And if you think about the wording in the Second Amendment, which says the right to keep and bear arms, and I know Justice Thomas has talked about this in his dissent for failure to hear the cases last year, the 10 gun cases that were before him, and they didn't hear the one case, I think, in New York where um, the New York Pistol and Rifle Club was suing the city of New York City for making it so people couldn't take the guns outside their house and literally even transport through the city in order to go shoot their gun in the at a firing range or whatever. And Justice Thomas said that the Second Amendment has become a a, a second-class right in as many words. He said, uh, you know, it's sad that if if this was an abortion issue like or something like that, you can bet that the Supreme Court would have heard it. But because it's a gun light, uh, right, rights issue, uh, they, they don't care about it as much. It's become a second-class right. But I'm, I'm encouraged to hear this because he also made the comparison that what does the word bear mean? 
bear means you carry it it's on your body or you're you're you know displaying it on your body but you're carrying it of in some way manner shape or form to either have as a defensive tool or a confrontational tool and the founders you know acknowledged that right and said yeah you have a right to keep and bear arms and it wasn't just so that you could carry it from the kitchen to the living room or the kitchen to the den or the kitchen to the bedroom or the basement to the attic it wasn't within the house that would that doesn't need to be reiterated if it's if you have the right to keep it in your house you already have the right to move it around the house it's in the house so people like to say oh well does that mean outside the house too well yeah that's very self-evident to the reader anyone who understands english so there's that and i'm really excited that they decided to hear this case because it it will strike at the root of the massachusetts issue which is a separate license that is issued for the purposes of um for the purposes of allowing you to buy a gun and you know use it and outside the home or inside the home so it's an extra hamstring it's an infringement upon our second amendment and there's now some legal uh case law where that judge in Illinois ruled that firearms owners ID cards are unconstitutional and he compared it to any other rights you don't require it for any other right so how can you require it for the second amendment so this is good because the it's the wild wild west out there with lower court rulings on the second amendment some of them say oh yeah assault weapons bans no problem having licenses no problem having you know uh magazine capacity bans no problem uh, limiting what guns you can and can't have no problem but hopefully we're going to see some clarification by the supreme court so that will be great and i'm really excited about that so that's in the news and 21 states now i think uh our constitutional carry state so that movement is still going as well people are saying you know what enough's enough we're done making extra laws that are going to hamstring people and make it so that they can't carry a gun uh, when they have a constitutional right to do so and actually the constitution is the contract with americans the amendment is just clarifying the limits of government as it pertains to those rights and guess what the second amendment says shall not be infringed <laughs> no other no other law says that but then you get joe biden who stands up and says there's no absolute rights in this country no right is absolute so it's it, we're gonna have a showdown at high noon one of these days right we're gonna have the epic battle between the courts and the equal uh you know powers uh of government so that's a good thing and i hope it's sooner rather than later because usually this stuff runs through pretty slow so anyway we'll get to some of your questions here um Dan is saying he bought a new Kydex holster and it's lined with a thin leather on the inside to prevent damage to the gun and it's silent on the draw. That's a pretty nice holster. I like those. Um, there's a few different companies like that that make that and uh, especially in the, uh, you know, the competition world. So, um, and Jay Silva says, I believe a few shows ago I spoke about the range experience being offered at Cape Gunworks, but you couldn't find any information online. Is an appointment required? 
Uh, technically, no, an appointment is not required. As summer approaches, we're talking about making appointments for it. But as of right now, you do not need to have um, an appointment to in order to do the range experience package. And what he's talking about is you basically come in and if you don't have a license to carry, you can't necessarily rent a gun. Um, you need to have... Um, you need to have a license to carry to rent a gun and rent a lane unless you're with somebody who has one but if you don't have one you can still shoot so we had a four people come in from New York City the other day and they none of them had firearms experience or IDs so uh, here we are we're like the dang government requiring people to have IDs but that's only because the government requires it of us and uh, so we we you know, want to make sure people are safe out on the range. So an RSO goes out with them and you get to shoot three different guns. So yeah, come on down, check that out. And uh, so how do I respond to someone who says, uh, Ben wants to know how I respond to someone who says the Second Amendment is not absolute. Someone in his class said that and he wants to know how to respond. That's a great question. And if the chief law enforcement officer of the country the, or the president, uh, you know, uh, the executive branch of the government comes out and says that it almost doesn't matter what you say to try to convince them that it is an absolute right and it's also become a mockery because of what i just talked about with clarence thomas saying that the the second amendment is an inferior right but that is certainly not how the framers saw it and that is certainly not how hopefully it'll be restored back to us so we'll see uh, as we go but more on that when we come back. Uh, you're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. This is the first focal plane Diamondback Tactical. At the intersection of precision and value, the Diamondback Tactical first focal plane rifle scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance. The XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. First focal plane, glass etched reticle keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long distance precision shooting. The single piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts. Strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fogproof performance. Purpose built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price. And it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. All right, we are here with Keith Langer, who's a great friend of the show. He calls in often, and we appreciate every time he does. He's Got a great uh, law practice, and he's been helping people with Second Amendment law in this state since he established in 1995. So thanks again for joining us, Keith, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Toby. Glad to be here. Yeah, and so one of the questions that comes up all the time in our classes, as well as online and in the store here, is, you know, as far as safe storage in the home, obviously the state took a pretty hard stance on uh, stored, storing firearms in the home. And one of the things that I always get asked is, is it legal to store a gun in, say, a locked closet with 
uh, say, a deadbolt on it that only you have the key to, so unauthorized access has been prevented, or some other container or device that's not specifically made for guns, like a safe or a trigger lock or something to that effect. Um, can you opine about that and let us let our listeners know if if that's possible or if they should steer clear of that? Well, the statute in question is Chapter 140, Section 131L. Okay. And that says that it shall be unlawful to store or keep any firearm, rifle, or shotgun any place unless the gun is A, secured in a locked container, or B, equipped with a tamper-resistant mechanical lock or other safety device, whatever that may be, quote, properly engaged so as to render such weapon inoperable by any person other than the owner or other lawfully authorized user, unquote. Note that this also applies to stun guns now. Hmm. So, the obvious options are a locked container or the tamper-resistant mechanical lock, which is the approved ones you get from your local gun store. The real issue is not trigger locks or action locks that drop down through the bolt and keep the bolt from closing. The real issue is what is a container? Yeah. Now, you're going to get the chest thumpers who say, well, locked house is my container. <laughs> Good luck with that. Right. And honestly, that was my, sorry to interrupt, but that was my, you know, it's funny how as you get older and have kids and, you know, you have this paradigm shift, but you started in 95 practicing law and I think I became a gun owner in 93 at 18 years old. And, you know, at, at then I was a chest thumper that said, ah, my front door lock is my gun safe, you know, and the laws were a little different back then, but go ahead. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but nowadays with my you know, three kids and, you know, I feel responsible gun ownership is keeping guns locked up beyond the front door and, you know, safely storing them from any unauthorized use. Well, the question will be, what does the court consider a locked container? Mm. At the first instance, what does the police department consider a locked container? Then they'll let the court decide. But I would suggest that a house is not designed to be a container in the sense that word is normally used. Mm -hmm. The closest case we have to it was a guy who used a mere bathroom lock on his bedroom. Hmm. And the not-a-child son was able to open the lock, of course, because those so-called privacy locks or bathroom locks required just a 10-penny nail. Right. So that was not a locked container that was designed to render access inaccessible to anyone other than the gun owner. Right. Hmm. However, your scenario, the closet with the deadbolt, well, a closet is much closer to a container than a house or even a bedroom is. Sure. And a deadbolt is several orders of magnitude above a bathroom privacy lock. Yeah. I would suggest if the door frame were reinforced, it would be literally and figuratively an even more solid case of that closet being a quote-unquote locked container. Right. And that is a more than reasonable effort to secure 
your firearms so that they're not accessed by those who have no business touching them. Mm, right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what common sense says. And uh, the the question is, like you said, how would the court interpret that? But if you had a room or a closet or something dedicated to the storage of your guns and it was under lock and key and, you know, you've made some effort to uh, keep unauthorized users out and, you know, don't have the key hanging on a nail outside the door, then I, I think you've made a, a good effort. That's m my p opinion and how I've been interpreting that law for years, but I just wanted to hear it more from you on, you know, your expert legal opinion. As a quick follow-up to that, is it lawful? Because I don't, as far as I know, I don't believe that the law speaks of it. And uh, real quickly, but is it lawful to keep the guns staged in those locked containers ready for use? In other words, loaded and ready for use. There is nothing in that statute that says the guns have to be unloaded. Now, if you're transporting a firearm, that's a different scenario. Right. But you're talking about straight storage in the home, not transport. And there is nothing in 131L that makes any reference to ammunition, still less whether the gun must be unloaded. Right. Yeah. It's one of so those. There is nothing that stops you from keeping loaded magazines in the safe with your guns or even having uh, a loaded gun in your safe. 131L does not address that at all. Great. When we're transporting the firearm, yeah, much that's a different thing. issue. Right. And uh, we probably should quiet down on that so we don't give them any ideas. But <laughs> no, I, I uh, you know, because we do advocate staging guns. If you're, if you're going to keep a gun in the house for self-defense purposes um, and it's going to be loaded, do it responsibly in a staged way that you can get at it, but no one else can. And... Also, we advocate keeping the gun in a holster if there's a round in the chamber so you don't inadvertently grab the trigger as you're reaching for your staged weapon and inadvertently blowing a hole through the back of the safe or in the back of the wall. So that's yeah, our Holsters advice. are a good thing. Yes, we agree. Um, well, great. Keith, as always, it's it's great to have you here and, and talk about, uh, you know, join the discussion and and you know, weigh in from the legal aspect, because I talk law all the time from the layman's point of view, but I try to take the point that I don't play a good lawyer on TV, so I'm not going to start giving out legal advice. And uh, it's great to have you here for your opinion, and I appreciate you calling in, and thanks so much. You're quite welcome, Toby. We'll catch you later. All right. See you next time. Take care. Bye. All right. And back to some of your questions here. Mike, chimes in that certain rights are inalienable or inalienable if you break that down. You can't attach any requirements or conditions upon it, so say the founders. I agree with that. And uh, Rainer's wondering if he can buy a SIG MCX and before the transfer, could it be made mass compliant? And the answer to that is a heck yes. Absolutely, you can do that. And you have to be a have a Type 7 FFL do that for you, a manufacturer, but... And George wants to know when the Hellcat is going to be available for rent. And that should be uh, soon, right, Roy? We should be doing that pretty soon. Uh, I did tell the, the crew to dedicate one of the thumb safety versions for rental on the range. And then they went and looked back at the 50 of them I have in the back room or whatever and said, 
there ain't none. <laughs> none of these have the uh, the thumb safety on them. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, when they start making the thumb safety version, that's the one I want to put on the range because that's the one that will be the mass compliant one someday. So, uh, Bob, that's a great suggestion. He's saying we should have a political education day and invite Keating and the Cape delegation to take the LTC class and shoot guns on the range and show them the difference between firearms and maybe even suppressors. That would be cool. Um, I would love to do that. Maybe if I could figure out how to get the juice to do that, I doubt a lot of them would actually come. But if they would, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, Greg's wondering, uh, why don't we ever see the 5-inch Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 anywhere and the long and short of it is it's a little bit harder to get come by um, we carry the slides in the in the shop here so those are easy to come by so if you have the four and a quarter inch one and you want to put the five inch long slide which has the ported barrel cut for red dot optic you can go ahead and slide that off and slide on the new one no pun intended but uh, so that's what I would do and uh, what are the laws regarding transporting in your car? We didn't have time to get to that with Keith, but it's basically, if it's not in your direct control, it's got to be locked and unloaded. Uh, and, and I believe in some cases in a hard case. Uh, so you can't just have it lying on the seat. Uh, if you leave it in the car, it has to be locked up in something. You can't just leave it with a trigger lock in the center console. So um, yeah, that'd be a good follow-up with Keith sometime. And uh, Mike's wondering, do we have any bulk 223? We had some a while back, and any plans to get more? I don't have any bulk 223 at the moment, but we will be definitely getting some. And right now, we're limiting people to about 100 rounds, so not quite the 250 rounds or 1,000 rounds. A week or so ago, we had 1,000-round boxes, and we ran out, but uh, we'll be getting more for sure. And have we heard from Taurus regarding the G3 compacts? You've been waiting over a month. I'm sorry, Sonny. I'm trying. I'm trying. We have a lot of them on order, and I did notice some other gun stores got some, so I'm hoping we're in the queue here. I'll rattle my rep's cage and say, you know, what the heck? Sonny's been waiting over a month. Let's go. Uh, but I don't know if that'll get it done, but I'm certainly going to try for you, Sonny. Um, but that's the best bet is place a special order. As soon as they land, you get one. So whatever gun you want, give us a call at the shop and we will do a special order for you. And when they come in, you'll get a call. That's the way it works. So, all right, awesome. We will be right back after these messages. Stay tuned, I'm Toby Leary. Polarized, rugged, and extremely clear. Loophole Performance Eyewear filters out harsh light while dramatically reducing glare. Whether you're hiking through the backcountry, dialing in at the range, or navigating the daily grind, Leupold's crystal clear lenses will keep your eyes protected and your vision fresh all day long. Learn more about Leupold Performance Eyewear at Leupold.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest 
The VT10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alright, welcome back. This is Toby. You're listening to Rapid Fire, co-owner of Cape Gunworks here in Hyannis. And if you haven't been to our shop or taken a class or shot on the range, come on down. We'd love to have you. And, uh, we're open seven days a week and lots going on. We have Women's Month this May. This whole month of May is Women's Month and you got lots of classes and events. Uh, this Saturday, um, we had an open house. So, uh, if hopefully you got a chance to take advantage of that. That was a fun time with uh, Franklin Armory here and a bunch of other vendors and some classes going on with women. Um, so yeah, look forward to other events coming up. Uh, we had the NSSF First Shots, which is the second time we've run that event and it was awesome. Uh, as always, it's a great time. So lots going on and you know, we'd love to have you down at the shop. So, all right, we're gonna go to the phone right now. I got Rick. Uh, Rick is on the phone, and how are you, Rick? Thanks for calling in. Good, Toby. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So, what's going on? You had a had well, a little situation. First of all, I'd just like to say thank you for uh, opening your store. Um, I've been in there when you first opened up, and you're doing a great job. And it's a it's a it's just a great place to go to. You got a lot of good people working for you, and um, super happy that you're doing it. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, that. That's not a paid announcement either. <laughs> <laughs> what do I owe you for that? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, funny thing happened. Um, so I'm in my late 60s. Um, I've had a, a license to carry for many, many years, over 30 years. Um, I've had it in multiple towns and multiple states. Um, so I recently had to renew, and the town I live in um, – sent me well during this COVID thing you know it takes a long time to get uh, any kind of answer so i i filed early several months early and just last week received uh, a letter stating that i had answered question number four incorrectly um actually they said i i answered it false and that it was a um it was a reason for denial uh they did not immediately deny the renewal, but they said uh, you have to uh, 
contact this person at this, you know, at our department and explain why you answered this question falsely. Question number four says, have you ever been arrested and or appeared in court to answer any criminal charges? So it's a two-part question, and I had not noticed that prior to this whether or not it has been on the renewal application for years, I, I can't answer that. But uh, when I got this letter stating that I had falsely answered it, it really threw me for a loop. Mm. Um, it got me thinking about the Second Amendment and how, you know, they are um, basically taking our rights and treating them poorly. Sure. So... I contacted the person uh, and, or the department and, um, you know, said, you know, what's what's going on? And they said, well, you have to you have to now write a letter or an email, send it to us explaining why this happened. Well, they stated a date that they found, which was back when I was 18 years old and I had some juvenile um, uh, issues never was arrested. I've never been arrested in my entire life. So I was asked to appear in court to answer these charges hmm. when I, as an 18 year old. So when I went in there, uh, answered them, uh, they were continued without a finding and dismissed, hmm. uh, after six months. So to me, when you answer questions in court, you answer to charges, um, and then it's dismissed, I always felt it just went away. I think the normal, a normal person would think that dismissed means dismissed. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's interesting, so, uh, you know, 50 sorry. years ago, a long time. Yeah. Oh, um, definitely. And so when I answered that question, I answered it truthfully in my mind that no i had never sure been arrested and i never appeared in court well, so, le so let me uh let me ask you this rick because um the similar thing happened to me when i applied for my license when i renewed my license issue. to carry what's that um so all of the, right so what you know what what's going to happen with that i don't know right if they're going to deny it i don't know what they're going to do but um well here's what we're going to do, do for it. you i'm going to i'm going to give you uh keith langer's number and uh his ad email address i would highly recommend you reach out to him i mean this is it's crazy if you ask me and uh thanks for the call though rick um and i'll i'll answer this as best i can um so uh Here's here's what happened to me. It was a very similar situation that uh, I had a juvenile issue, although I don't think 18 qualifies as juvenile. I know we're still very much juvenile a lot of times, but uh, it you are an adult at, at 18. But even still, if you can't remember or whatever, um, I actually did have some juvenile charges uh, when I was a kid that were continued without a finding and, and dismissed. And so I didn't put it down on my application when I told the story a few months ago when I was upgrading from my license to carry from target and hunting to for any lawful purpose. 
on renewal, I wanted to do that. So I had to sit down and talk to the deputy chief and explain to him why I wanted the right to carry other than to and from the range or to and from the woods. And they pulled out that juvenile thing, which I thought was a sealed record and everything else. And so it was uh, pretty interesting. And I said, geez, I didn't know you had access to that. We know everything. (laughs) And so I said, okay, cool. So I knew then and there not to, you know, not put that down. But I still don't see how that's reason for denial unless you're trying to be disingenuous about it. But, it, you know, like you said, almost 50 years ago is certainly a long time. And hopefully uh, hopefully you'll see that through with Keith and he'll help you out or, you know, somebody else or whatever. Or maybe the department will end up just saying, okay, it was an oversight uh, on your part and, um, you know, issue the license that you've had for the last whatever however many years so yeah unfortunately when you put the power of licensing in the hands of the local chief you know and we've had this in our state for a long time there's some some chiefs that just flat out refuse to issue a license and so what what do you do then you know you're given a denial basically and you have to appeal it and everything else and it costs money and now a lot more money than even the $100 to renew. It's just ridiculous all to jump through hoops so that you can get a license so that you can then go into the gun store and look at a gun that you may want to purchase because we all know there's going to be another whole background check process when you go to purchase the gun. So it's really just a restriction. It's a backdoor uh, ban. It's a backdoor infringement, and it does not make our community safer, which is evidenced by the fact that Massachusetts is the most violent state in New England. I don't know if you knew that, but it is by far the most violent state in New England. And we have the most restrictive gun laws. To our north, Maine, Vermont, and uh, New Hampshire are all constitutional carry states. So, um, And they are a far lower crime rate than us here. So I digress. I hope you get some help with that. Rick, thanks for calling, and I uh, let us know what we can do to help you out. All right. Uh, Chris is saying, I don't pretend to be Perry Mason. That's for sure. I don't play a good lawyer on TV, so we bring in the experts. Um, and do we sell the 365, Ben wants to know. And we do. We sell that a lot. Um, we sell tons of them. And I was just told that we have satisfied all of the backlog of special orders, all the back orders. So we are current with our uh, back orders right now, and hopefully we will be getting more in so that we can put them in the shelf, which would be great. So uh, how's the turnaround on gunsmithing for pin and weld? Uh, Duncan, um, the gunsmith has been working feverishly, and by the way, the gunsmith got employee of the week last week. So actually, I'm sorry, not employee of the week. He was our first employee of the month. It was a very special award. And he got honored with that employee of the month because he's been working tirelessly back there to keep the gunsmithing backlog to a minimum. So I would say bring it in. You're probably a week or two out, but it's certainly better than three or four weeks that we were once at. Um and Greg is wondering if we can order the 5-inch M&P 2.0 in the shop. You'd love to buy one. Sure. You can always do a special order for that. Absolutely. The Hellcat versus 365 versus New Shield Plus. Thoughts. Richard wants to know my thoughts on those. 
my thoughts are they're all phenomenal pistols and it's kind of like the shield the 365 or the fn 509 or the springfield xds the shield and the fn 503 those are all single stacks they're all great guns i would recommend all three of them but basically hold them and feel them and see what one feels best in your hand so once the hellcat and the shield plus become mass compliant then you'll have some good options but um, the shield plus would probably be where i would lean towards because it won't have a i think there'll be a thumb safety and a non-thumb safety version the hellcat and the 365s are only thumb safety versions uh, so that's not ideal for a concealed carry gun in my opinion i would rather a gun without levers and switches and decocks and stuff like that so um, shield plus would probably edge out the other two in my book as far as a subcompact 10 round uh, pistol that is good and easy to shoot rob wants to know about the malcomar set me l's they're awesome and hopefully we'll be getting our batch of those in very soon i think we're up against the wire here they told me 45 days out when i placed the last order and we're probably pretty close to that and sid is saying is the draco knack 9 mass legal and sadly no that is a gun that will never be uh mass legal the because the pistol version of that uh you know, AK, even in the nine millimeter, which I'm seriously considering selling the Kalishnikov uh, Vichaz nine, because again, for the same reason as that AR nine, it is totally different design piston. Uh, you know, it's a blowback. It's a, it's a specialized magwell, not the typical AK 47 magwell. It shoots nine millimeter. It's a much different all-around gun than the the AK-47 and the design is even I mean the uh the yeah the design is different so uh but that's a rifle not a pistol the NAC-9 is a pistol and it is not ever going to be mass compliant unless the assault weapons ban goes away which it should if it's ever you know given its day in court I think will win because it is absolutely an infringement upon our rights here in Massachusetts so Let's hopefully live to see that day very soon. James is wondering, uh, he's a new resident to Mass, and he's currently waiting on his LTC once received. Am I obliged to EFA-10 firearms that he owned previously and brought with him during your move? You've heard conflicting information on the topic. Well, that's a great question, James, and we had Keith Langer uh, clear this up for us a few weeks ago on the show. And he said, if you brought them with you, you do not need to EFA-10 them. If you put them in the moving truck and ship them here, then you do. Why there's a difference, I don't know. It just goes to show the people who make laws maybe don't understand them all the time. But that's the way it goes sometimes in Massachusetts. You're left with a head scratching, clear as mud, you know, uh, keep you guessing type of... uh, (laughs) situation but yeah so if you brought them with you you don't have to efa 10 them but that's a very good question hopefully you get that ltc soon so all right we will be back after this you're listening to rapid fire i'm toby leary
made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things Second Amendment and freedom, guns, and self-defense with uh, Toby Leary on Saturdays between 7 and 8 and on the iHeartRadio app. And now we're an official podcast, right? We're all over podcast land. So wherever you get your podcast, you should be able to find Rapid Fire, and uh, that'll be cool. You can go to our website, click on uh, Rapid Fire, and get signed up to be alerted when we're going to be doing the shows. So love to have you and be a part of the discussion. Uh, before I get into the couple of questions here, um, don't forget to go to our website, click on Rapid Fire, and sign up for our giveaway. We're doing weekly giveaways. We already gave away a shotgun. We gave away uh, Hornaday Safe. We've given away uh, some other stuff. This, this week's drawing is going to be the Leupold uh, glasses, shooting glasses and sunglasses. And they are a beautiful set of shooting glasses. They're called the Katmai. And they are designed, machined, and assembled in the good old U.S. of A. So Leupold products are made proudly here in America. So uh, you want to grab a pair of these, come check out, check them out at the shop. But we're giving away this uh, matte black set of glasses, um, the emerald mirror frames, I'm sorry, lenses, which are also polarized. They're going to be great for being out on the water this summer or at the beach and or on the shooting range. So uh, they are, in fact, shooting glasses. So we'll be giving away that on uh, one of the upcoming segments. But go ahead and sign up for our giveaway this week, uh, which is going to be the Rapid Safe, the Hornaday Security AR Wall Lock Rapid Safe, which is an RFID safe. So we have a review of that on our website. Um, you want to check that out as well. So, all right, cool. Back to your questions. Uh, Gavin wants to know if the Canacan guns like the TP9 SFX are mass compliant. And yes, they are. They absolutely are. Jay wants to know if the MMP 2.0 needs to have a safety. And the answer is no, it does not. Um, and Ken is saying, can you get a Ruger revolver 22 LR? We have the, uh, the new ones in stock, the Wranglers, which are a ton of fun to shoot. They come in three different colors, black, silver, and burnt bronze. And we have those. They're like 199 bucks, brand new. And they are a hoot to shoot. They're a lot of fun. So, yeah, come and get one of those. If you want anything else, uh, you'll have to do a special order because they're few and far between. But they do come in, so come check it out. Uh, with an FID and mask, can, I, can you buy an SU-22LR with the 
10 round mag or does it got to have a fixed mag? Yes, you can buy an SU22 LR by Keltec because it is not a uh, high capacity weapon on the high capacity weapons roster. So that would be fine. However, um, if there is a, uh, if it comes with a high capacity mag, then obviously you couldn't buy that. But And you can't get them because they didn't have pre-bans anyway, so unless you're law enforcement. But I would recommend you just upgrade to the LTC as soon as you are eligible. Maybe if it's an age thing, just get the LTC. That way you don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Uh, let's see. Red flag laws are scary, especially when it comes to a scorned X. I agree, and I hope that the penalty for uh, fraudulent, fraudulently using the red flag law um, would be stiff, and it would be really, really uh, like they would use it like a hammer. However, we all know that in the end, I'm sure they're not going to care too much about people who use those red flag laws uh, fraudulently to get back at somebody. So hopefully not, but um, let's see. Uh, somebody else had a good question, and I want to get back to it. Um, let's see. Uh, Davey says he's patiently waiting for someone to sue the mass, mass over the Glock ban, magazine ban, and assault weapons ban. Me too, Davey, and I know it's been uh, – there's several lawsuits that are – in the in the works but anyway um they're not they're moving through at a snail's pace as usual here it is andy uh said oh no i'm sorry ben said are universal background checks bad i think they are but i would like clarification universal background check is basically code language for making sure that every single gun purchase or transfer goes through an FFL dealer. So it depends on your definition of bad, but if you know you look at it like two guys in the parking lot of Walmart can pass a gun to one another, and especially in this state where they can just jump on the EFA-10 website and do it, I don't think that's bad. Um, in other states where there's no requirement for licensing, there's people who want to close that quote-unquote loophole or the gun show loophole where you can actually do a private transfer of a gun and it's legal to do that. Um, so I don't think that's bad either. I think, you know, a free society should be able to transfer guns to each other, especially if you know the person. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that on the other side of the break because uh, that is something that is a hot button issue and you hear about it non-stop in the news and everybody wants to close the gun show loophole so we'll talk about that on the other side stay tuned this is the first focal plane diamondback tactical at the intersection of precision and value the diamondback tactical first focal plane rifle scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance the XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. The first focal plane, glass-etched reticle, keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long-distance precision shooting. The single-piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts. Strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fog-proof performance. Purpose built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price. 
and it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. All right, welcome back uh, to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, co-owner of Cape Gunworks. And we're really happy you tuned in. Don't forget to tune in every, each and every week. Same channel, same time, 7 p.m. Or on podcast or on our website. You can listen after the fact. Sometimes people come in and say, hey, I caught the show the other day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was on last night. And Oh, no, no, I listened to it on the podcast. Oh, okay, great. So... You know, you can listen anytime you want. You don't have to be sitting in front of your computer, um, you know, tuning in on Saturday. But if you are, thank you. All right. I just want to announce the winner of our Leupold glasses, the Katmai glasses. It is Kevin Wilson. So you are the lucky winner this week. So come on down. We will outfit you with a beautiful pair of these Leupold glasses. And uh, yeah, we're... Really happy you got to win them, and uh, if you ha- if you didn't win, don't fear. Jump in the next giveaway, and also come down and buy your own pair. It's uh it's worth it. They're really really good glasses. So, all right, congratulations to Kevin. And uh, so before the break, we were talking about universal background checks. Now, there's a situation where uh you know I had Rob Pincus on the show a couple weeks ago, and I think he fully broke the internet a couple you know a month or so ago. Uh, when he talked about a expansion of background checks, not universal background checks, but he was saying if it wins some people over to incrementally, uh, you know, throw a bone and say, let's let's go for universal background checks if, and there was a huge list of conditions, if you don't know the person, basically. Uh, but if it's a person you know, have dealt with, have worked with, shoot with, or at a club with, um, you know, you correspond with regularly through email or on forums or through Facebook or social media, or, you know, you have some sort of business dealings with, or, you know, it's a friend of a friend or something to that effect. Like it was a pretty long list of exceptions to the rule. But if it's just some guy off the street that you never heard from before and never did anything with before or will probably never do business with again, um, he was saying it is probably a good idea to take that one situation, which is a very narrow slice of, uh, you know, sales and go to the FFL and have that done at the FFL. And, you know, the shall not be infringed crowd, which I'm one of and he is, too really started beating the desk and saying he's anti-gun, he wants to destroy the Second Amendment, and blah, 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 which there's nothing further from the truth. But there is a slice of people out there that I think we could all agree on that we don't collectively, we as the gun community, don't want guns to fall into their hands. Maybe they're violent felons. Maybe they're, uh, you know, wife or child abusers maybe they're you know severely uh mental mentally ill with a propensity to hurt themselves or others and i don't think we could ever you know all agree on who all the people are that we want to keep guns out of the hands of but 
there's certainly people we can all agree on. And, you know, he likes to use the reference, um, shall not infringed under its most broadest interpretation means you can have a machine gun vending machine at the local elementary school. So none of us would ever stand up and <laughs> with a straight face say we're in favor of putting uh, machine gun vending machines in the middle school cafeteria, right? So if that's the case, let's go from that and work it towards, you know, what is what are we willing to live with? What are we willing to accept in the process of winning back the big shall not be infringed arguments? So what that all looks like, I don't know. But if it's a conversation starter for the Joe Mansions of the world who would oppose a lot of the legislation that's being proposed that could really hurt or harm the Second Amendment for years to come or decades to come in order to do that, maybe that conversation should be had. That was his whole point. So um, it doesn't mean he's anti-gun. The guy's done more for uh, the Second Amendment community in 20 years than most people have done in a lifetime. So uh, there you go. That's what, what my stance is on background checks is uh, universal background checks is I oppose them. Um, but then again, I have to be intellectually honest and say, yeah, I don't want guns to end up in the hands of people who are severely mentally ill, who have a propensity to hurt themselves. Maybe they've been adjudicated mentally defective or, um, you know, mentally ill, or maybe they are, uh, you know, uh, a violent felon who has preyed upon people who are defenseless or, you know, whatever the case is. So we all have that list of people. And uh, so there's debate out there as to what that list is for each and every one of us, but it's subjective. But at some point, there's, I think we should focus on keeping all guns out of certain people's hands rather than some guns out of everybody's hands. And until we're able to have that discussion, you know, the, the other side looks at us like Neanderthal knuckle draggers. And I don't think that does our cause good. So I'm all for making, you know, winning back rights and get going a long way from where we are today towards shall not be infringed. And the only way we're going to make up ground like that is to have the hard discussions with people who don't believe like us. So there you have that. That was a long-winded answer to a seemingly simple question, but it's really not that simple. So is it true if a handgun has a safety, it doesn't have to have a 10 and a half pound trigger pull? The 10 and a half pound trigger pull in Mass Davy is a whole weird issue. Grip size and all kinds of stuff goes into that, whether it has a magazine disconnect, whether it, it would take me 10 minutes to answer that question. But it doesn't necessarily have to have a 10 and a half pound trigger pull to not have a safety to be mass compliant. So there are guns that don't have a 10 and a half pound trigger pull that are mass compliant and that don't have a safety. So there you go. Uh, could a person with a non-resident mass license to carry sell me a firearm through a private sale? No, unfortunately not. That means they are not a mass resident, therefore they cannot sell a firearm to somebody in the state because they'd be coming from out of state so you'd have to be a resident in order to do that transfer so 
All right, guys. Well, geez, holy cow. Another hour in the bag and, uh, you know, it, it goes quick. Um, but love to do it and have a good time talking with you guys every week. And thanks for the calls. Thanks for Keith joining us. And thanks for all the chat. And uh, we will be back next week for sure. And also, we're writing a column now on the Howie Car Show. So you can check that out. And uh, we'll be joining that show here and there and also on the website we just wrote a column so check that out all right guys love you and uh we'll see you next time god bless this is toby leary you're listening to rapid fire we'll see you next time